All right, welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today, I am joined by Lawrence Juber. Lawrence, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Uh, it's a real pleasure to talk to you. I know uh, I was really into guitar when I was younger. My dad always played guitar. And I remember that my dad got, I think it was some of your DVDs. He used to play uh, Cobalt Blue. He was bound and determined uh -huh. to play that song. And I have a picture. I uh -huh. sent it to you via email. Uh, it was me and my now wife, Sammy. We saw you, I think... Here, where was it here? Oh, 2000, June 2011 at Joe's Pub in the East Village. We were right there in the front row. Uh -huh. Oh, and yeah, that was, a, that was a nice show. I liked playing Joe's Pub. It was fantastic. Yeah. We had the best time ever, honestly. So, um, But, yeah, my whole family were all great fans, fans of yours. My dad used to bring down uh, the, the DVDs and play them for my grandparents, and they all love you. So uh, it's an honor. Uh -huh. It's a privilege to have you on the show. I talk to a, a lot of people, but I'm admittedly a little bit nervous for this one. But you seem like you're the man. I oh, think. Well, don't be nervous. We'll be all right. Yeah. Okay. That's we'll good. be fine. All right. Perfect. Um, so you've been playing guitar now for over 50 years. You've worked on a whole bunch of stuff. You've worked with uh, Wings, uh, played alongside Paul McCartney, um, which is really great. Did you work on uh, Back to the Egg? I love that album. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I played lead guitar on Back to the Egg. Are you one of the people that's in that picture? Is that... Is, is that you? Yeah. Or, wow, that's so cool! Oh my god! Yeah, I'm that. on the I'm on the right the right hand side. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, that was my guess. I I I wasn't exactly sure. I was like, this might be awkward if not, but that's so cool. I love that album. Yeah, and if you look in the background, you'll see uh, there's a, a platinum disc hanging on my wall. Wow. And that's that's the platinum. That's the multi platinum for Back to the Egg. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. It's a fantastic <laughs> album. And then you've also worked on a whole bunch of studio work. You've worked on Pocahontas. Home Improvement, mm. Goodwill Hunting, Dirty Dancing. Um, so that's kind of cool. But for those of you who are new to you, uh, a little bit of background about who you are, where you're from, and what you've been doing uh, in your guitar journey thus far. Well, I grew up in England. I was born in London. And um, I started playing guitar on my 11th birthday in November of 63. Wow. So the Beatles, it was right kind of like the the first cresting wave of Beatlemania right. in England. And um, that was really, I mean, I was inspired by the Beatles and by, uh, there was an English band called The Shadows mm. who backed up Cliff Richard and they, were, they did all really cool twangy instrumental guitar stuff. And um, I just loved that sound and I loved the sound of the guitar and I wanted to play it and my dad wanted me to play the saxophone and I compromised. I said, okay, I'll learn clarinet in orchestra <laughs> at school. Wow. Uh, but as it turned out, I, I put my name at the bottom of the list and they ran out of clarinets long before they got bummer. to me. Um, so, I, so I got, well, I wasn't a bummer really because I no, got no, a guitar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and, and it really that, I never put it down. And, you know, I mean, I've now been playing for 50, ooh, 56 years. Something like well, that. You look great. Yeah. I would, I, I would never guess that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm still, still learning. Yeah. Um, so uh, I very quickly learned there was a local band leader who started taking me out on um, kind of just gigs, like weddings and stuff like that um, right. when I was 13. And I learned that, that you know, a great way to be, make a living as a musician was to be a studio musician. And because I was not only a fan of guitar, but also a fan of records, you know, pop records and rock records. Right. Um, and I would listen to the records and listen, pick out the guitar parts and, and then, but also listen to the bass and drums and how it was all put together. And 
I decided I wanted to be a studio musician. So that kind of became my brass ring. And I studied classical guitar in high school, not because I necessarily wanted to learn classical guitar, but because I wanted to study music. And I needed a certain grade level to be able to to study music the way that I wanted to. Right. So um, I then uh, went to college, studied music at London University. And while I was doing that, I was playing in the National Youth Jazz Orchestra. Wow. Which was kind of like a farm team. It was a big band, and it was a farm team for studio players. And I, I was on a. We did a, a TV concert, and the next day I got a call from a, uh, a contractor in England. We called them fixers, right? Um, who would book musicians for studio work? And of course, this is you know mid seventies. There's no computers. There's no. There's very few synthesizers. Yeah. Uh, you can just reach out on a DM yeah. like I did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was really, you know, if you wanted to do any, make any music, you needed a, a band, you right. know. So I started doing sessions at the BBC. I was doing jingle sessions. I was playing on records, TV mm-hmm. shows. Uh, not much in the way of movie stuff. But, yeah. um, and, and along the way, I, I got to play. Um, I played with um, the Alan Parsons Project uh, on Tales of Mystery and Imagination, uh, first album. I had no idea what it was. I mean, I didn't even know until I read it in a magazine 25 years later (laughs) uh, that I played on this record. That's so Um, cool. But that's what studio work could be like. I mean, that was a session at Abbey Road on a Tuesday night with an orchestra and some mandolins and a harpsichord and an acoustic guitar. And it was, you know, an instrumental track. And and at Abbey Road in Studio Two, you didn't go up into the control room unless you were invited. You know, the musicians Ah. stayed down in the studio. And um, so I never, you know, I never knew what that session was for until many years later. But um, but then one actually, I mean, now going back 1978, right around this time, um, I think it was April 21st wow. um, of 1978, I was at Abbey Road doing a session in Studio Two and there was a phone call for me, which was very unusual to get a phone call. Of course, no cell phones in those days. I yeah. mean, it was... You got a phone call. It's a big deal back then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You had to, you know, you had to like pick the handset up. Yeah. That's Um, and, um, it was Paul McCartney's office, uh, asking me if I could, was free to go and jam with Denny on Monday. And, Oh, by the way, Paul and Linda will be there. Um, and I knew that they were looking for a guitar player, but I, it wasn't really entirely on my radar to, to, go after a gig like that because I was very well established as a studio player. Right. Um, but nonetheless, um, I, I said yes, even though I didn't know any Wings tunes. In fact, over the weekend, I borrowed some LPs from my brother, but <laughs> it didn't really do me a lot of good. Yeah. And then when I did the audition, it was me and Steve Holly, the drummer, were auditioned at the same time. And, and we played some Chuck Berry tunes and some reggae grooves. Um, wow. See, I had worked with Danny Lane on a TV show with David Essex the previous September, where I was playing lead guitar in the house band. And we did Go Now which was the old Moody Blues hit that Danny, right. you know, was, was his feature. Yeah. And I played a guitar solo on it and he liked what I did and um, recommended me for the gig. Wow. And so, you know, we did this audition and then Paul turns around and said, well, what are you doing for the next few years? And, you know, and I, <laughs> at that point it was like, 
I had to really like make a decision, you know, and there was this nanosecond was, okay, I've spent all my teenage years in, you know, all my career up until now establishing myself as a, as a first call studio musician. Right. And there's Paul McCartney, you know, and I wasn't <laughs> going to say no to people. Yeah. So, to, to that so, one, you got to say I, yes. There's not a lot so of basically, So I walked away from studio work to join Wings. Um, and, I, you know, my most recent credit in that scene was I played on the soundtrack of The Spy Who Loved Me, right. um, which, you know, which was a big movie. And and um, that was kind of helping. I thought that was going to help me get into playing on movie scores, too, which was always that was a, a tough one to break into because you have to be a really kind of demon sight reader right. to do that stuff. Right. And it wasn't really until I got to L.A. some years later that that I made I got that entree. Yeah. Um, but I was in Wings for three years. Um, basically, it was April of 78 through April of 81. And we did the Back to the Egg album. We had some hit singles with Coming Up and, and Good Night Tonight. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I worked with Ringo and Paul during that period, did, an, an did part of an album with Ringo that Paul was producing. Um, and was starting to write music for myself, um, scored a commercial, um, you know, and started to realize that there was money to be made, not just playing guitar, but also being, you know, a writer. Um, and that was something I really learned from Paul in terms of, because he was, he's a very successful music publisher, not just of his own music, but, right. of, um, right. but, you know, some substantial catalogs. Um, it, was kind of an education for me. I really feel like I got my master's degree from McCartney University, wow. not just on the playing point of view, but also in terms of the business end of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then I moved to New York. You know, when I saw the Wings was breaking up, I, I moved to New York. I had some projects to work on there. I'd been there just a few months when I met Hope, who later became my wife, and she was from LA. And after spending the summer having this kind of bi-coastal relationship, um, I ended up moving out to L.A. in October of 81, and I've never left. Well, except to be on the road, but yeah, exactly. in terms of where I live, um, living here. And uh, after a, it took me a little while to get into the studio work here, but I started getting calls. And then it just that became kind of the next phase of my career was to be an L.A. studio musician. And I played on hundreds of TV shows, um, you know, most notably Home Improvement, Roseanne, uh, Seventh Heaven, mm -hmm. you know, all of those mm -hmm. running shows um, and a whole bunch of movies like Goodwill. You mentioned Goodwill Hunting, Pocahontas. Um, I love Pocahontas. Oh, I love, yeah, I played on Colors of the Wind and Just Around the River Bend. Yeah, those are two of my favorite songs, actually. I, I really enough, I'm like obsessed with uh, Pocahontas and recently rewatched it, and uh, those are fantastic songs. Uh, playing on that song, I mean, that was one session um, uh, at CBS Studio, uh, actually Todd Ayo, which was one of the scoring stages with a large orchestra, and I remember three harps and eight double basses and a choir <laughs> and, and one acoustic guitar. Um, you know, and that is not atypical of those kind of um, movie sessions. But the TV stuff typically would be a much smaller group. And, and fairly early on, because Hope's dad uh, was a, a TV producer. Right. And so he got me involved in scoring some of his shows. So that led me into also writing music 
for TV. So I did, for example, I did the Brady Bunch, uh, A Very Brady Christmas. I did the score for that. Um, Did some movies in the 80s, did some TV series. But really, by the time I got into the mid-90s, my main focus had become doing solo acoustic guitar stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, And that really, um, I mean, it started with a friend of mine offering me a record deal in 1990. And now I, I think I'm up to my 30th album, but I, it, yeah, I, I lost awesome. count. If, <laughs> I, depending on if you include some duo records. And right. I, I've done you know, four albums with Al Stewart where I produced, and one of which, the first one between the wars, um, it was Al Stewart with Lawrence Juba. So it was, you know, that was virtually a duo album. Yeah, you're definitely uh, prolific in that way, having a, kind of a high output um, you know, one of the, the things that I like to tackle on the show is, you know, it's for people just starting out. I love the notion that somebody has just picked up a, a guitar, they just started their journey, they're at the outset of that journey, and they look at you and they might think to themselves, I'll never be that good or I'll never be able to get to that place. Uh, I think of my dad trying to learn uh, Cobalt Blue and, and I, rem- I could do like the, the bass line, but that was about it. And, and I know that it's, mm-hmm. it takes a long time to get to that place. But if you can give any advice to someone who's just starting out well, on their journey. You know, I mean, the fact is that you can find three-year-olds, three-year-old <laughs> Chinese kids who are playing, you know, fiendish classical guitar. Yeah. The, the mechanics are really a question of muscle memory, and mm-hmm. that just is practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also the understanding is to understand what it is that you're playing. And that's really what allowed me to have the career that I've had, is that I'm, I'm not a guitar player, I'm a musician who plays guitar. Right. So much in the same way as when you learn some music theory, when you learn the piano, um, learning guitar, it's also helpful to understand what it is that you're doing. Because you can get by, you know, if you just learn a bunch of chord shapes. Yeah. People have been getting that's me. by that's, with that's that. Me, just I mean, the you can chords. go back to <laughs> literally go back to the 17th century yeah. to find books that have diagrams of chord shapes. Yeah, um, that's crazy. You know that there's, there's nothing uh, nothing new about that. But but to go beyond that, to go to the point of playing a tune like Cobalt Blue, which has you know a moving bass line and, and a melody at the same time, and yeah. means hammering on and you know a lot of more advanced technical stuff. That really requires just a lot of practice and, and a lot of understanding. Um, and with YouTube now, I mean, you can imitate very easily. You, you've got, you know, videos of people doing things. Somebody can find performances of me on YouTube right. or on Vimeo, wherever I have that stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, playing tunes and you can see what I do. I mean, I've published, you know, there's videos, there's instructional stuff. Um, but... It, for me, the, the, the real focus is, has been, from my perspective, is understanding what the guitar is as a musical instrument. And because of the fact that I have you know, some classical music background, too, from having a degree in music, um, that I've really l- looked to combine a sense of music history with the guitar, what I call guitarology. Yeah where you can go back. I put out a book last year, The Evolution of Fingerstyle Guitar, which is all pieces going back to like 1507. Of That's so awesome. From lute, the lute, the vihuela, the Renaissance guitar, Baroque guitar. And, you know, the guitar didn't become a six-string instrument like we recognize it until the 1770s. 
Wow. So, you know, the six string guitar is about as old as America mm-hmm. is, you know, <laughs> as a nation. Um, ironic, yeah. Um, and, well, and especially because really the, the acoustic guitar is kind of the American national instrument, if you right. think about it. You, you think know. about Stratocasters, I mean, I play, Telecasters, I, yeah, all I play Martin a Martin guitar. guitar. You know, Martin have been in business since 1833. Wow. You and know, you had your own you, custom you, Martin guitar as well. It was an upstart with, you know, so, with the telecast or the broadcaster as it was in right. 1949. I mean, um, Mart- C.F. Martin's company had been making guitars for well over 100 years. Yeah. Um, Orville Gibson, you know, there's another name. Gibson, Gibson, Orville Gibson only owned the guitar company for about eight years and then he sold it. Oh, but wow. his name was all, has always been on the guitars. Oh, that's crazy. Um, but, you know, those names, uh, Gibson, Martin, Fender, I mean, those are, you know, highly recognizable yeah. American brands, not to mention Gretsch and Guild and Epiphone and, you know. Exactly. I mean, they've changed, they've changed a lot over the years, but, but C.F. Martin and Company is the same company it was in 1833. It's still owned by the same family and it um, has an enormous archive and is a great kind of repository of American music history. You know, I have one of theirs from 1893. Oh, Oh, I got to see this. <laughs> wow, that's so awesome. From 1893, that's so 1893. Cool. It sounds good, too. Oh, it's a great guitar. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's small, and it weighs nothing. It's like a, a potato chip. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they... Um, you know, though that's the thing is that the guitar is so kind of built into um, the cultural life. Yeah. Of, of America. Uh, but interestingly enough, what we don't re- recognize very well today is that the Hawaiian guitar was incredibly popular in America in the early 20th century. That when you know like the Hawaiian, ukulele is that the same thing the ukulele? no no not the, no the, the lap slide oh okay slide, yeah, yeah. oh i got the, it that was incredibly influential wow. in all kinds of ways mm-hmm. uh influential on early jazz on early blues yeah um the hawaiian musicians traveled the world mm-hmm. and they're in in all kinds of key places there were hawaiian guitar players who were you know lauded as being guitar heroes yeah Definitely. And, but we don't have an awareness of that because we think of it as kind of being, you know, something, you know, Hawaiian guitar is, is so, such a strong flavor and you kind of mm-hmm. associate being on the beach in Waikiki. Or, yeah, like you know, Blue what, Hawaii from Elvis or something like that. Yeah. Right. Sure. Exactly. Well, yeah. I've kind of gone down like that wormhole because I, I kind of got into that sound, sort of like the generic pop version of the Hawaiian sound. And then nowadays with uh, products like Spotify, you can kind of just go down the wormhole and see where things originated from. And Hawaiian music really is kind of fantastic. So that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about your, uh, for all the guitar nerds out there, I've, I've always dreamed about having a Martin guitar. I have a Yamaha right now. It's a pretty good guitar for, you know, good bang mm-hmm. for buck, I guess. Um, but I've always wanted to have kind of uh, a Martin guitar. And I know that you have a signature model. Oh, I think he's going to get it. <laughs> yeah, I did. There you go. Perfect. Uh, so tell me about this guitar. It's your own, your own custom guitar. Yeah, it's um, well. This is a custom shop version of it. Right. Um, hang on. Let me just adjust my picture here. So there we go. Um, 
Yeah, this is the custom shop version. Because it used to be a production model, but we're done with those at this point. Right. So, you know, I, what I try and do is when, when the Martin Custom Shop add any new capabilities to their what they can do, um, mm. that way I, um, uh, I'll order a new one that just is kind of the, the, the state of the art. And this one is... Actually, this is not. I didn't pick up the one I thought I was picking up. That's okay. <laughs> the other one's in its case, but uh, this is almost the latest in incarnation. So this is an orchestra model. Um, right. It's an OM, so it's a longer scale, a little bit less, a tenth of an inch less than a Fender or a, a um, Fender scale, um, but longer than a Gibson scale. The triple art model is the one that has the shorter scale. Right. Um, I, because I use uh, drop tunings, like, like yeah, right now I'm in Dagad. Yeah. Yeah, let me, let me turn this mic on. Feel free to play, man. <laughs> this is awesome. My, um, dad, my dad's going to love this. The, the family is going to be beside themselves when they see this video. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to outrun the sun over here while you're making this beautiful music. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, this one has a high alpine Swiss spruce top with, um, uh, this is Honduran mahogany. Wow. And I'm in Dagad tuning. And it's strung with my signature retro strings too. Um, and those are thicker, correct? I, what's that? And those are a thicker gauge string, correct? Well, I use a heavy string, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like a 13 through 56. Right. But my, my third, fourth, and fifth strings are light gauge. The rest are medium. There you go. <laughs> See, I have that part. Bum, 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 and then that's it. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm just tuning up here. No worries. Let me just plug it in too. Yeah, don't no worry, take your time.
love it. That is so cool. Dad, that one's for you. <laughs> That's so cool. It's, it's funny, as you were playing that, I was laughing because I was thinking to myself, there's that little move, and you were talking before about how much of it's like intuition, how much is like what you're born with. That, that um, I've always been kind of percussive, but can't necessarily do like the hard chords. I probably could with more discipline, hard work, or whatever. But that move that you do where you like slap the top of the guitar and kind of use it as a drum. I remember when, I, yeah, that thing. When I met my wife, I used to do, I used to do that when I would play guitar and she would be like so impressed by it. Now she would probably roll her eyes, but, cause now she knows where I'm getting it from. That's cool. That's really okay. cool. Let's talk about uh, this new thing you're doing, Tea Time with LJ. That's what your fans call you. Uh -huh. uh, my family, we, we love it. I, actually, the reason I, good. I originally reached out because uh, my mom sent a screenshot. Uh, my dad was like, commenting on there, and she's like, you know, da dad's loving this Tea Time thing with Lawrence Juber. And I was like, you know what? I've never asked, and I'm just going to ask, and I'm going to see what happens. And you were kind enough and gener ge generous enough to get back to me. So uh, hmm. let's talk about Tea Time. My pleasure. Uh, what, what is that? How did you come up with this idea? Was this something that happened because of COVID-19? Was it after that or? No, no, it was because of that. I mean, it was because everybody was shut in. Right. And um, I was talking about doing it. I was talking with my daughter, Nico, mm -hmm. and she says, oh, you should do tea time. You know, cause, and in fact, years and years ago, a long time ago, when, when Nico was a baby, uh, there was a little local club, uh, the Blah Blah Cafe uh, here in Studio City, where... Um, on a Sunday, we on a Sunday afternoon, we do like a tea time gig, mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to do something that was a kind of a convenient time, you know, for the East Coast because it's really tea time on the East Coast, right. and you know the kind of the different time zones. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really after lunch. But after <laughs> lunch with LJ just doesn't sound quite the same. Right. Um, but the um, you know it's really kind of a focus for me to be able to. Um, know that I have a, a daily gig, you know, right. except for Sundays. But like keep your sanity I, kind of thing. A, yeah. What's that? Like keep your sanity kind of thing. Keep yourself preoccupied. Yeah, I want yeah. to keep me focused and, you know, pulling out old repertoire that I haven't played in years. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so not only am I doing the the show itself, but I'm also, there's a lot of preparation involved. So it's kind of keeping me focused on playing because some of my other projects are on hold right now. Right. Um, like, for example, Hope and I have written uh, with her brother Lloyd, we, we've written a very Brady musical, the Brady Bunch musical, which was we were intending to start a tour this fall. Wow. Um, but that's on hold, obviously, because none of the theaters are open. Right. Um, I love so the Brady Bunch. I'm doing... a very old soul. I love the Brady Bunch. I love Brady. all, you know, old things. Well, you'll <laughs> like this musical. It's it's irreverent, but, uh, but true to Brady. Cool. Um, and so, you know, we've been doing a little bit of work on that. Um, but uh, like I've been playing a lot of local gigs, um, which aren't happening now. Um, uh, a friend of mine, T-Bear, has a band called Route 66 with a horn section from the Conan show and, and Denny Sywell from Dring Wings on Drums. Right. And really like a killer 11 piece band. And we've been playing some local clubs. And that's been great for me because I've been playing more electric guitar. Yeah. Um, plus, I had a, a boatload of touring that was all canceled, including right. I was supposed to go to Taiwan at the beginning of March. Oh, wow. Um, that got pushed to the end of June. I don't think that's going to happen either. Yeah. Um, but um, just a lot of stuff has been pushed back later in the year. And I just have my, my latest album, The Fab Fourth, mm -hmm. um, 
came out um, uh, at the end of March and um, not being able to go to the East Coast to promote that, which is, you know, what I was intending to do. It was all like, well, you know, why don't I just put my gigging activities on Facebook? Yeah. I mean, you can put stuff up on YouTube, but Facebook really is where the audience is. Exactly. And um, and I've done some things. I mean, I did a I did my, my version of A Day in the Life the other day. Um, yeah, I saw that. That was for, awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, but you know, that's had like twenty seven thousand views. Right. Um, you know, uh, my daily shows. I mean, the live audience is four five hundred, but you know, I mean. It's up to like two, two and a half thousand, you know, when people watch it later. Yeah, the scale um, of the internet is insane. It's so crazy. Yeah. yeah, and when I've done all Beatles shows or all Wing shows, then the numbers go way up on that. Um, but, you know, so I've been, it's given me an opportunity to promote the new album. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to play tunes, I'm not going to play a Beatle tune every day. Yeah. Just most days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've done four albums of Beatles, so I have right. a lot of Beatles repertoire under my fingers and yesterday i did a clinic for truefire.com who i have a uh, an educational uh, module with them and we're going to be setting up a, a channel uh, for me to do some online teaching and i'm doing some skype lessons and all that but yeah it's amazing how much of the day revolves around me playing guitar at this right. point you know and, and pulling out guitars that i haven't played in a while and restringing them and you know, yeah it's it's just a different kind of focus and and until i can you know until things open up i, I even when things open up i'm not sure how much more traveling i'm going to be doing right uh, it'd be a gradual know, kind uh, of thing yeah yeah so uh, we'll see how that all works um yeah. but so being able to perform online it's kind of a pro bono thing cuz i mean it's not like i'm doing it for money i'm doing it you know, right. for the to keep people entertained and and to do what I can to kind of help spread some love and and good feelings and you know help people de-stress. You definitely are doing that. I love it. There's nothing more I love than and I know it's a little bit uh, early on my time, but every once in a while with this weird quarantine schedule, I'll pour myself a nice drink and I'll you know I'll, I'll watch your thing and it, and I love it. I feel like I'm like in the room and you've done a great job with the production uh, quality of it and everything. So well, I just I try and make the audio sound good and I'm just using the mic in my computer uh, the the rather the camera in my computer. Right. Um but I use a, a program called Ecam as a virtual camera so there's it gives me a a better picture than than what comes straight out of um Skype or Right. I think I'm using Ecamm right now, actually, which is kind of cool. So it's good to know. I've always been curious. How much do you practice? I would, I would imagine like you practice a lot given the the style of music that you're playing. Like roughly, I, like you know, I know it's always kind of different, but how many hours are you putting in on practicing? You know, it's really hard. I mean, I'm probably putting in now right around two to three hours a day. Right. That's a lot. Um, it's a lot, but I mean, there's been times in my life where I've done a lot more than that. Right. Um, but around two, three hours a day, you know, but, you know, cause I'm not traveling. I mean, when I'm traveling, that makes it a lot harder mm -hmm. to have a guitar in my hands. And sometimes, you know, the only time I get to play, uh, if I'm on the road is for sound check and for the gig. Yeah. 
and that's it. <laughs> and that's it. You know, but you know, it's, it's a 90 minute show and, you know, 10 minute sound check. I mean, it's still, it's not, and it's all focused on performance repertoire as opposed to me being able to say, okay, what am I going to play on Friday? Yeah. And then pulling out something out of my, my repertoire and saying, okay, how much of this do I actually remember considering <laughs> I recorded it 15 years ago? You know, yeah. it's like I've done, I mean, I've written over 150 tunes for That's guitar and, and I look crazy. at a title and I think, how does that go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when people yell it out sometimes, you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe another time. That's so cool. Thank you so much for doing this. It's, it's been a pl uh, pleasure and a privilege. Um, where can people find you online? Where can people find your new album? Uh, how do people get involved with all things LJ? Well, if you go to my website, which is lawrencejuba.com, and it's L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E-J-U-B-E-R, but if you spell it with a W, it's okay. I might have done that maybe down. once or twice, but I think yeah. I, I, but now, by now I have it down. There, there is an online store, mm -hmm. so you can buy CDs from there, and I, if they come from my store, then I sign them. Wow. If they come from Amazon, it just goes through regular distribution. Right. Um, I have a mailing list. There's an email list you can sign up for. Um, there's a lot of information about me on the various pages on the website. Um, I don't really pay that much attention to my YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. uh, I should more. And I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is take some of the best performances from Tea Time and, and put those up on, um, on YouTube. That'd be awesome. Um, and then, um, but of course, that requires time. I've got to go in and watch right. them and edit and all that. I've got nothing but time in my hands if you need help. <laughs> <laughs> I am archiving all that stuff. Right, that's good. Um, but I appreciate any help that I can get with this <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you know, I'm on, you can find me on Spotify. Mm -hmm. You can find me on Pandora. Nice. Um, for some weird reason on Pandora, most of my, my play is my Christmas music. Right. Um, but I think it's just because it was there early and it just kind of got onto the playlist. It sounds so damn good, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. Um, but Spotify, you know, my whole catalog is there. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, there, there are also ways you can, um, you can buy uh, high-resolution versions of some of these albums too. So um, it's, it's out there. Okay. The material's out there. Some of it's out of print in, in CDs. And my Altered Reality album is long gone as a CD, but it's right. available. You can download it. Apple Music is another one. For sure. I don't think that I'm ever going to get Cobalt Blue out of my head after this, but that's not the worst song I have stuck in my head. So, Lawrence, thank you so much. This is, I understand at this point in this podcast, I understand people put their pants on one leg at a time, but you've been a huge inspiration to me, to my family. Uh, you're doing a great thing with your Tea Time series and everything else that you've done. And if you see Paul McCartney, tell him I said hello, and he has an open invite on Meet the Creators. Anytime. You want to play, play a salad one? Can we get one more? Yeah, you yeah. can see my, my, my fingers are starting to glow because the sun's starting to hit them. So. Oh, my God. I can play one more. Thank mm -hmm. you.
back in the USSR. I do, I do know how lucky I am, though. That's good. Thank you, Lawrence. <laughs> it's been a, pl a pleasure. Oh, my thank pleasure. You. Thank you very much. All right, brother. Thank you so All much. All right, it's then. Been, been great. My Cheers. pleasure. Bye. Cheers.